0: BOOK TWO, CHAPTER FOUR, PART TWO, OF THE OCTOPUS, BY FRANK NORRIS. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. Without any warning, Annixter sat down beside her. She was too frightened to move. She looked at him with wide eyes that began to fill with tears. Oh, she said at last,
1: oh, I didn't know.
0: Well, exclaimed Annixter, here you are at last. I've been watching that blamed house till I was afraid the policeman would move me on. By the Lord! he suddenly cried. You're pale, uh, uh, you—Hilma, do you feel well?
1: Yes, I am well,
0: she faltered. No, you're not, he declared. I know better. You are coming back to Quinsabe with me. This place don't agree with you, Hilma. What's all the matter? Why haven't you let me see you all this time? Do you know— how things are with me your mother told you didn't she do you know how sorry i am do you know i I see now that i made the mistake of my life there that time under the long trestle i found it out the night after you went away I, i sat all night on a stone out on the ranch somewhere and i don't know exactly what happened but i've been a different man since then i see things all different now why i've only begun to live since then i know what love means now and instead of being ashamed of it i'm proud of it if i never was to see you again i would be glad i'd lived through that night just the same i just woke up that night i'd been absolutely and completely selfish up to the moment I realized I really loved you, and now whether you'll let me marry you or not I mean to live, uh, uh, I don't know, in a, in a different way. I've got to live different. I, well, uh, oh, I, I can't make you understand, but just loving you has, has changed my life all around. It's made it easier to do the, the straight, clean thing i want to do it it's fun doing it remember once i said i was proud of being a hard man a driver of being glad that people hated me and were afraid of me well since i've loved you i'm ashamed of it all i i don't want to be hard anymore and and nobody is going to hate me if i can help it i'm happy and i want other people so I love you, he suddenly exclaimed. I love you, and if you will forgive me, and if you will come down to such a beast as I am, I I want to to be to you the best a man can be to a woman, Hilma. Do you understand, little girl? I, I want to be your husband. Hilma looked at the goldfishes through her tears. Have you got anything to say to me, Hilma?' he asked after a while.
1: "'I don't
0: know what you want me to say,' she murmured. "'Yes, you do,' he insisted. i followed you way up here to hear it. I've waited around in these beastly, drafty picnic grounds for over a week to hear it. You know what I want to hear, Hilma.'
1: "'Well, I forgive
0: you,' she hazarded that will do for a starter he answered but that's not it
1: then i don't know what
0: shall i say it for you she hesitated a long minute then you mightn't say it right she replied trust me for that shall i say it for you elma I-, I don't know what you'll say i'll say what you are thinking shall i say it There was a very long pause a goldfish rose to the surface of the little pond with a sharp rippling sound the fog drifted overhead there was nobody about no said hilma at length
1: I, i i i can say it for
0: myself i all at once she turned to him and put her arms around his neck
1: oh do you love me
0: she cried
1: is it really true do you mean every word of it and you are sorry and you will be good to me if i will be your wife you will be my dear dear husband
0: the tears sprang to annixter's eyes he took her in his arms and held her there for a moment never in his life had he felt so unworthy so undeserving of this clean pure girl who forgave him and trusted his spoken word and believed him to be the good man he could only wish to be she was so far above him so exalted so noble that he should have bowed his forehead to her feet and instead she took him in her arms believing him to be good to be her equal he could think of no words to say the tears overflowed his eyes and ran down his cheeks She drew away from him and held him a second at arm's length, looking at him, and he saw that she, too, had been crying. I think, he said, we are a couple of softies. No, no, she insisted. I
1: want to cry, and want you to cry, too. Oh, dear, I haven't a handkerchief.
0: Here, take mine. They wiped each other's eyes like two children, and for a time sat in the deserted little japanese pleasure-house their arms about each other talking 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 on the following saturday they were married in an uptown presbyterian church and spent the week of their honeymoon at a small family hotel on sutter street as a matter of course they saw the sights of the city together they made the inevitable bridal trip to the cliff house and spent an afternoon in the gruesome and made-to-order beauties of sutro's gardens they went through chinatown the palace hotel the park museum where hilma resolutely refused to believe in the egyptian mummy and they drove out in a hired hack to the presidio and the golden gate on the sixth day of their excursions hilma abruptly declared that she had enough of playing out and must be serious and get to work this work was nothing less than the buying of the furniture and appointments for the rejuvenated ranch-house at kinsabe where they were to live annixter had telegraphed to his overseer to have the building repainted replastered and reshingled and to empty the rooms of everything but the telephone and safe he also sent instructions to have the dimensions of each room noted down and the result forwarded to him it was the arrival of these memoranda that had roused Hilma to action. Then ensued a most delicious week. Armed with formidable lists written by Annixter on hotel envelopes, they too descended upon the department stores of the city, the carpet stores, the furniture stores. Right and left they bought and bargained, sending each consignment as soon as purchased to Sabe. Nearly an entire carload of carpets, curtains, kitchen furniture, pictures, fixtures, lamps, straw matting, chairs, and the like were sent down to the ranch. Annixter making a point that their new home should be entirely equipped by San Francisco dealers. The furnishings of the bedroom and sitting room were left to the very last. For the former, Hilma bought a set of pure white enamel three chairs, a washstand, and bureau, a marvelous bargain of thirty dollars, discovered by a wonderful accident at a Friday sale. The bed was a piece by itself, bought elsewhere, but nonetheless a wonder. It was a brass, very brave and gay, and actually boasted a canopy they bought it complete just as it stood in the window of the department store and hilma was in an ecstasy over its crisp clean muslin curtains spread and shams never was there such a bed the luxury of a princess such a bed as she had dreamed about her whole life next the appointments of the sitting-room occupied her since annixter himself bewildered by this astonishing display unable to offer a single suggestion himself merely approved of all she bought. In the sitting room was to be a beautiful blue and white paper, cool straw matting set off with white wool rugs, a stand of flowers in the window, a globe of goldfish, rocking chairs, a sewing machine, and a great round center table of yellow oak whereon should stand a lamp covered with a deep shade of crinkly red tissue paper on the walls were to hang several pictures lovely affairs photographs from life all properly tinted of choir boys in robes with beautiful eyes pensive young girls in pink gowns with flowing yellow hair drooping over golden harps a colored reproduction of rouget de lille singing the marseillaise and two pieces of wood carving representing a quail and a wild duck hung by one leg in the midst of game-bags and powder-horns. Quite masterpieces, both. At last everything had been bought, all arrangements made, Hilma's trunks packed with their new dresses, and the tickets to Bonneville bought. "'We'll go by the Overland, by Jingo,' declared Annixter across the table to his wife, at their last meal in the hotel where they had been stopping. "'No way trains or locals for us, eh?' Huh? But we reached Bonneville at such an hour, protested Hilma, five in the morning. Never mind, he declared. We'll go home in Pullman's, Hilma. I'm not going to have any of those slobs in Bonneville say I didn't know how to do the thing in style. And we'll have Vaca meet us with the team. No, sir. It is Pullman's or nothing. When it comes to buying furniture, I don't shine, perhaps. But I know what's due my wife he was obdurate and late one afternoon the couple boarded the transcontinental the crack overland flyer of the pacific and southwestern at the oakland mole only hilma's parents were there to say goodbye. annixter knew that magnus and osterman were in the city but he had laid his plans to elude them magnus he could trust to be dignified but that goat osterman one could never tell what he would do next he did not propose to start his journey home in a shower of rice annixter marched down the line of cars his hands encumbered with wicker telescope baskets satchels and valises his tickets in his mouth his hat on wrong side foremost hilma and her parents hurrying on behind him trying to keep up annixter was in a turmoil of nerves lest something should go wrong catching a train was always for him a little crisis he pushed ahead so furiously that when he found his pullman he had lost his party he set down his valises to mark the place and charged back along the platform waving his arms come on he cried when at length he espied the others we've no more time he shouldered and urged them forward to where he had set his valises only to find one of them gone instantly he raised an outcry aha a fine way to treat passengers there was p and s w management for you he would by the lord he would but the porter appeared in the vestibule of the car to placate him he had already taken his valises inside annixter would not permit hilma's parents to board the car declaring that the train might pull out at any moment so he and his wife following the porter down the narrow passage by the stateroom took their places and raised the window leaned out to say good-bye to mr and mrs tree These latter would not return to Sabe. Old Man Tree had found a business chance awaiting him in the matter of supplying his relative's hotel with dairy products. But Bonneville was not too far from San Francisco. The separation was by no means final. The porters began taking up the steps that stood by the vestibule of each sleeping car. "'Well, have a good time, daughter,' observed her father. "'And... uh, (laughs) come up to see us whenever you can from beyond the enclosure of the depot's reverberating roof came the measured clang of a bell ah, i guess we're off cried annixter good-bye mrs tree remember your promise Silba." her mother hastened to exclaim
1: to write every sunday afternoon
0: there came a prolonged creaking and groan of straining wood and ironwork all along the length of the train They all began to cry their goodbyes at once. The train stirred, moved forward, and, gathering slow headway, rolled slowly out into the sunlight. Hilma leaned out of the window, and as long as she could keep her mother in sight, waved her handkerchief. Then, at length, she sat back in her seat and looked at her husband. "'Well,' she said. "'Well,' echoed Annixter. "'Happy?' for the tears rose in her eyes. She nodded energetically, smiling at him bravely. Hey, "You look a little uh, pale," he declared, frowning uneasily. "Feel well? Pretty well." Promptly, he was seized with uneasiness. But not all well, eh? Huh? Is that it? It was true that Hilma had felt a faint tremor of seasickness on the ferry boat coming from the city to the Oakland mole. No doubt, a little nausea yet remained with her. BUT Annixter REFUSED TO ACCEPT THIS explanation. HE WAS DISTRESSED BEYOND EXPRESSION. NOW YOU'RE GOING TO BE SICK, HE CRIED ANXIOUSLY.
1: NO, NO,
0: SHE PROTESTED. NOT A BIT. BUT YOU SAID YOU DIDN'T FEEL VERY WELL. WHERE IS IT YOU FEEL SICK?
1: Uh, I DON'T KNOW. I'M NOT SICK. OH, DEAR ME, WHY WILL YOU BOTHER? HEADACHE? NOT IN THE LEAST.
0: Uh, you feel tired then that's it no wonder the way rushed you round to-day
1: dear i'm not tired and i'm not sick <laughs> and i'm all right
0: no no I-, I can tell i think we'd better have the berth made up and you lie down that would be perfectly ridiculous well where is it you feel sick show me put your hand on the place you want to eat something With elaborate minuteness, he cross-questioned her, refusing to let the subject drop, protesting that she had dark circles under her eyes, and she had grown thinner. "'Wonder if there's a doctor on board,' he murmured, looking uncertainly about the car. "Uh, "'Let me see your tongue. I know—I know, a little whiskey is what you want. That and some per—' "'No,
1: no, no,'
0: she exclaimed.
1: "'I'm as well as I ever was in all my life. Look at me.
0: Now—' tell me do i look like a sick lady he scrutinized her face distressfully now don't i look the picture of health she challenged in a way you do he began and then again hilma beat a tattoo with her heels upon the floor shutting her fists the thumbs tucked inside she closed her eyes shaking her head energetically
1: i won't listen i won't listen i won't listen she cried but just the same gibble 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 she mocked i won't listen i won't listen she
0: put a hand over his mouth
1: look here's the dining-car waiter and the first call for supper and your wife is hungry
0: they went forward and had supper in the diner while the long train now out upon the main line settled itself to its pace the prolonged even gallop that it would hold for the better part of the week, spinning out the miles as a cotton spinner spins thread. It was already dark when Antioch was left behind. Abruptly the sunset appeared to wheel in the sky, and readjusted itself to the right of the track behind Mount Diablo, here visible almost to its base. The train had turned southward. Neroli was past, then Brentwood, then Byron in the gathering dusk mountains began to build themselves up on either hand far off blocking the horizon the train shot forward roaring between the mountains the land lay level cut up into farms ranches these continually grew larger growing wheat began to appear billowing in the wind of the train's passage the mountains grew higher the land richer and by the time the moon rose the train was well into the northernmost limits of the valley of the San Joaquin End of Book two Chapter four Part two